You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Spa. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week is our ultra special super holiday tastic Christmas episode. Merry Christmas! Ho ho ho! And uh, Happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all the other holidays that happen to be in the month of December. So this week is not only our holiday episode, but it's also our last episode of season two of Shoot the Flick. Yay! Yay! And we are celebrating, if you didn't listen to our last episode, which if you didn't, first of all, why not? It's awesome. We talked about Christmas Chronicles, and that's a movie with Kurt Russell Santa. Why don't you want to watch Kurt Russell Santa Claus? That's my first question. Yes. But... If you have listened to that episode, you may have caught our little tease of what this episode's going to be about. And if you didn't, then you looked at the title of the episode and you saw what it's about. It's about the Grinch. Yes, it is about uh, the Grinch. So it is the 55-year anniversary of the original Grinch special from 1966. It is an infamous television special that aired on CBS in 1966. It starred Boris Karloff, the infamous actor who played Frankenstein's monster back in the day. And it's it's iconic, truly, and it's a staple for me every single year at this time. And I'm excited. But um, we're not actually going to be talking specifically about that adaptation of the Grinch story nor will we be talking specifically about the Jim Carrey version from 2000 although we may touch upon those adaptations as we go through this episode no no what we're going to talk about today is the musical we don't talk about her sorry 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 that never happened it doesn't exist now what we are going to be talking about today is the 2018 Grinch movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch as the Grinch. Uh, it is a Grinch movie that neither Scott nor myself have actually ever seen. So we wanted to watch it and see what all the hubbub was about. Or the lack of hubbub. Yeah. I think our expectations were pretty low going into this. Oh yeah. Bottom barrel. Like they were, they were in the basement. I think because of that, maybe we were pleasantly surprised at how okay this movie was and how enjoyable we found it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was not expecting to laugh because, again, everything we ever heard about this is like, oh, it's bad. It's it's not funny. It's uh, well, I heard basically overall that it's kind of a sanitized version of the Grinch tale in that the Grinch himself is kind of a dick i guess but he he's not really the grinch level of dickishness which is true i think but But i i didn't hate that (laughs) but it's also like it's about him but it's not fully about him yeah i think in the previous two films the 66 version and the 2000 version the grinch is really the star and then cindy lou who is kind of a supporting role but in this one they really are both main leads in the film yeah it's definitely the most kitty it's also the most polished yeah so illumination made this movie it's the same studio that did despicable me and the lorax ah. i actually liked the animation in this i thought it was very bright and colorful which i dug that really wasn't an issue for me at all. I dug the look of it. Uh, there look, are there are other issues to be had. <laughs> the look is actually not bad. There are things about this that are a little wonky. Certain decision making and certain pop culture references will date this movie very quickly. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you can recall, there's a thing in the trailer, I believe, for this movie. There, There's a joke revolving around a goat. And if you remember the trailer, if you want to look it up, feel free. But it's a very timely meme from 2018, the like Taylor Swift goat thing, where I think it's Taylor Swift singing one of her songs, and then out of nowhere, the goat just goes, ah! Now I'm lying on the cold, hard 
that's basically the joke in the movie which i laughed at not gonna lie oh <laughs> like, yeah i i'm like scott where i really wasn't expecting to laugh at all in this movie and i laughed multiple times so like again not mad at it you know well yeah it was funny because there was a point specifically i i looked at frankie because i was getting some good laughs out of it and then we hit this one point in the movie where i'm like oh god we're making the turn here's where the turn happens where i turned against this movie this scene is where we go downhill and they were like, nope, we course correct it back to the original. I'm like, okay. Yeah, literally. <laughs> it's it's weird because there are those very uh, kid-centric jokes that are literally just there for the kids. And they're kind of uh, centered around memes or, you know, f- trendy jokes of the time. But then there are also those other jokes that are also for kids but also are funny for adults. So I do appreciate that. I never watched the Lorax or like no. the other Seuss movies. I know this this one's animated, but the Cat in the Hat, I I never I never watched that. The live action Cat in the Hat they made with Mike Myers. So I don't really have anything else to compare it to as far as like Seuss movie adaptations, except for like the Jim Carrey one. The Jim Carrey one's been around now for quite a while, and like y- twenty years. Yeah. For, for those of you who want to feel old this Christmas, the Jim Carrey Grinch came out over 20 years ago. What? What the fuck? But yeah, like, Jim Carrey Grinch has been around for a while, and I kind of feel like it went through that stage of like, oh god, everyone hates it, to kind of now it's like, yeah, I enjoy Jim Carrey, I enjoy his craziness in the movie. Do the Who's look like nightmare fuel? Yes. Oh, for sure. I mean, a lot of the movie really looks like kind of a fever dream. We actually rewatched really it just... For, you know, researching purposes for this episode. I enjoyed it for sure, but the only thing that makes the movie good is Jim Carrey. Let's put that out there right now. Yeah. If Jim Carrey wasn't in this movie, like let's say they switched it up and put Mike Myers in this, in the Grinch movie, it would have been a fucking nightmare. But Jim Carrey makes it enjoyable, genuinely enjoyable. Both of them do different, because of course you have the original, which is going to be the classic everyone knows that that's what that's what you're comparing yourself to so both of them had to go different from that one jim carrey's one you get a little more of the backstory of the grinch why he hates christmas this one also takes that backstory and changes it up just enough so it's different enough from jim carrey's but also different enough from the 66 one right I agree with you there. So what we're going to do is I'm going to go through some of like the preliminary uh, Michigas and then we can get more even deeper into the discussion. It's not going to be a, a normal kind of episode with us where we go through every single plot point of the movie because quite frankly, it's the Grinch. And whether you've watched the 66 version or the 2000 version or the fucking Matthew Morrison musical, which by the way, if that's the only thing of Grinch you've ever seen, God help you. But <laughs> there's more to life than the Matthew Morrison Grinch, I'm just saying. But um, I feel like we don't need to, like, rip the plot apart. We can kind of just go through the Grinch as a holiday staple and compare the movies and just just talk some shit about the Grinch. Because that's why we're here. It's fucking Christmas time, bro. Okay? So you're saying we're going to touch the Grinch with a 39 and a half foot pole. That's right, bitch. Anyway... The movie started off with two directors, one by the name of Yarrow Chaney. This was their first feature film ever. They were mainly an animator and production designer on several films. Despicable Me, The Lorax, uh, Curious George, a whole bunch of kids animated films. And the other director was Peter Candeland, who also directed and animated several films. Just to bring it back to the ghost of Shoot the Flick Christmas Past. He was also an animator on Beauty and the Beast and the Enchanted Christmas. A true Christmas classic, if you've ever heard of it. God damn you, Flip. Oh, no. <laughs> Flip Cobbler, how could you? Um, <laughs> if you've never listened to that episode, please do. Like, I gotta say, our, our Christmas episodes up to this point on this show have been pretty stellar. I, I, I gotta pat myself on the back for that one. Well, Scott, we, you should too. We had our almost Christmas movie year. Yeah. And then we had and we, then we had a whole like knockdown drag out fight about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I still think I won. Scott, I'm sure, thinks he won. But, you know, you know how it is. Wink, wink. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so the point is, these two first-time directors 
were helming the movie. And then all of a sudden, in 2018, the same year that the movie actually came out, Peter Candelin dropped out for undisclosed reasons. Although, I mean, when in doubt, you can always point to creative differences. That's the go-to line, I guess, a lot of the time. But Peter Candelin dropped out. And then a gentleman by the name of Scott Mosier. Do you know who that is, Scott? Does the name sound familiar? Maybe? Yeah, the moat. Yeah. Okay, so Scott Mosier, I, I know him because he's a longtime friend and producer for Kevin Smith. He works with him a That's lot on right. pretty much like all his movies. So he was a producer on the film. And I, I don't know if he dropped his producer credit and just became the director. I'm not 100% sure on that, but he definitely became a co-director. His first feature film was 2018's The Grinch. <laughs> and I also wanted to mention that Audrey Geisel, who was the wife of the late Dr. Seuss, who, of course, I mean, the How the Grinch Stole Christmas Dr. Seuss book which came out in 1957. Dr. Seuss is an iconic legend in children's books and just all around amazing person. I actually recently, I think last year, the year before, read a biography of his and it was absolutely fantastic. He's just a very fascinating human being. But she was uh, executive producer on the movie, which I also found really nice that she cares enough to really take stock in her husband's legacy in that way. I just, I, that warms my little heart. Yeah. It grew three sizes when I heard that. Get it? Yeah. Get it? Because that's the thing in the Grinch where his heart grows. Yeah. Three sizes that day. Yes. Um, and the script was written by, uh, again, two people. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Michael Lesur, who was a screenwriter on You, Me, and Dupree. That's the only movie I could find that I recognized. Oof. And Tommy Swerdlow, who was a writer on Cool Runnings and Snow Dogs. Also, woof. Woof is indeed correct. <laughs> but the 2018 Grinch, despite the tepid critic and audience reviews, it did beat Home Alone, becoming the highest grossing Christmas film ever at at least at that time and it became the highest grossing dr seuss film coming in with low expectations i actually feel like did this movie a lot more favors it did what it had to do i laughed i enjoyed the fun moments of it like the two grinches before this they're both the antagonists of their story to a degree but this one doesn't feel like that Yes, he tries to steal Christmas, but he's the most innocent of the three of them. Yes. It's it's interesting how those three films kind of evolved the character, or in some people's opinion, I'm sure devolved the character, because in the first 1966 special, granted, it's only like, you know, 20-something, 30 minutes long, so you don't really have a whole chance to, like, give the Grinch a backstory, but you kind of don't need to for the purposes of the special. He's just a guy who's an asshole and he hates Christmas. Mwahahaha. And he's got a creepy smile and a big beer gut. They all got beer guts for some reason. And <laughs> and that's just the, that's the show. Um, with the 2000 version, they give the Grinch a backstory and they give him kind of a sympathetic twist. But he's still a raging asshole. And he looks horrifying and gross like the 2018 version he he looks cute <laughs> but he looks fucking cute i'm gonna say it he looks cute well, he's a cute little furry green guy well, i'm not scared of him i was scared of him at one point and that's it and then it went away as soon as it came and that the rest of the movie he was cute again the only thing they've never explained is why is he green um, they have never explained that. Yeah, literally in the 2000 version, they do it where like the stork comes in and just drops this green abomination off on a nunnery doorstep, and that's that's how he. There's really no explanation for why he's green, and no one else is green. Because this does take the Jim Carrey one, with kind of like being the outsider, and expands on it with him being an orphan. Well, his whole motivation is weak. Let's put, I mean, I don't want to say weak. That sounds mean, but like it's weak <laughs> because the whole reason he hates Christmas so much that he wants to steal it from people is because he grew up an orphan. He grew up seeing family celebrating Christmas together and he was resentful of that. But throughout the movie, it's not really painted as resentment and anger as much as it is, 
you know, slight frustration at times, but mostly just like sad and jealous. Yeah, well, which jealousy. makes it more sympathetic yeah, than it, any of the other Grinches. Also, the other big difference is how he at, treats other people, because this Grinch interacts with Whoville, which makes a lot of sense because. I mean, it does and it doesn't. Well, it, it doesn't when you think about the character being so antagonistic for the other two. But in truth, to survive, where would all his food come from? The only nearby town that isn't snowed in. Right, but here's the thing. This is not a, a world that's based in reality. So do, do I really need to know as a fan of the Grinch property? Do I need to know how the Grinch gets his groceries? No, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. The whole point of the fact that, oh, the Grinch lives in the mountains in the creepy cave off, you know, miles and miles away from Whoville is to like give him a, a very mysterious, dark, spooky air about him. That's why the townspeople are supposed to be like spookified by him and shun him to the mountains because he's spooky and no one really knows. It's like the legend of the Grinch and like by having him go into town every other week or whatever to go get groceries, it's, you know... Yeah, it takes away that mystique, yes. It's, you know, it takes away the mystique. Well, this one isn't like Jim Carrey or the other one. He is, doesn't have that mystique. He interacts with them and he tries to avoid these people on Christmas because of all the pain he feels about Christmas and about being an orphan. And that causes him to act out and shoot people up into the air with a reef, which was hysterical. Yeah, there was genuine laughs in this. There was a lot of like slapstick stuff, which is to be expected with a kids movie. But there was also like genuine, just regular humor aside from the slapstick, which I appreciated. But is this the Grinch that you are used to from days of yore? No, not exactly. He doesn't really come off like a fucking crusty, mean, get off my lawn kids kind of guy like in the other movies. He comes off very much like April Ludgate from Parks and Rec who, if you don't know, she's played by Aubrey Plaza. He comes off like Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> Another big difference here in the movie is that the Grinch has a really good relationship with Max the dog, which, again, it's different from the other movies, but I like it because he's not abusing his dog. <laughs> that I appreciate as a dog lover. Sorry, but I like I liked their relationship in the movie. And then it got me thinking like about a specific scene in Parks and Rec where April Ludgate is running this dog adoption fundraising thing. And I'll put the clip here if I can find it. I think I may have found a project I'd actually enjoy doing. Helping these cats and dogs. They should be rewarded for not being people. I hate people. So yeah, that's that's what I thought about when I saw the Grinch in this movie. And I don't hate it. No. I don't like I, I don't mind that you did something new with the property. As long as you know, with a Christmas movie, generally speaking, you gotta have a good wholesome Christmas moment, a good wholesome Christmas message at the end. And they did that. In the previous iterations, they touch a lot on commercialism. They don't touch upon that specifically as much in this movie. They do a little bit. Yeah, because the Grinch does bring up a, a couple times about how, oh, all you brats just want more and more toys and stuff. You don't think about anybody else but yourself. Another thing I want to bring up also is like a big sticking point, I feel like. And I would imagine for a lot of people that watched this movie and had issues with it, this was a pretty major sticking point. Um, The voice of the Grinch I found odd. And I'll, I'll explain why. So in the 66 version, like I said, the Grinch was voiced by Boris Karloff, who has a very low, very distinct voice. That special was also narrated by Boris Karloff. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers, nervously drumming. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. And then we have, of course, Jim Carrey voicing and playing the Grinch in live action and... 
I, I think his portrayal, again, is the highlight of the film. The avarice never ends! I want golf clubs, I want diamonds, I want a pony so I can ride it twice, get bored, and sell it to make glue! Then for this movie, you have Benedict Cumberbatch voicing the Grinch, which I was very intrigued by when I first heard about this movie because I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he's awesome. I adore his voice. It's very deep, very intimidating, potentially. And I was like ready for it in this movie. And then I read that the studio, when they hired Cumberbatch, they originally wanted him to do the Grinch using his natural voice. But Cumberbatch supposedly felt that since the rest of the cast was American, that the Grinch should have an American accent as well. Which he does in the movie, but he's also doing a, a voice. Like, it's definitely not, it's a higher register of Benedict Cumberbatch's voice. Now, I don't know if, like, he had to do an American accent. He kind of has to raise his register. Or if he made that choice consciously. I don't know, but it just sounds off to me. <laughs> Small child, December 20th, rapidly searching for a really important lost letter. Might it be your list of demands to Santa? Oh, but that's right. No one's ever seen him. I didn't find it too off-putting. It it took me a while to get used to it, I think. Once, like, we got maybe 20 minutes, half hour in, I was, like, over it. Because I just don't understand, like, why... <laughs> and it, that's, like, a thing that I feel like if it was a more seasoned director, they would have talked... Like, you know what I mean? The two first-time directors, they're kind of probably just like, okay, like, you're you're the fucking... Oscar-nominated fucking kick-ass British actor, like you do, do you, boo boo? Well, it, it, but it's like if it was if it was Ron Howard, I feel like he would have been like, dude, like you're here for that that baritone, bitch, like use it. Well, speak with your diaphragm. <laughs> well, yes, that is true. If you have a more seasoned director, maybe he can talk him into a different decision. But he is right. You hired a bunch of American actors. The guy grew up in Whoville. It doesn't really make sense for him to be the only Brit in a town of Americans. But here's the thing. I came up with an idea pretty much immediately that could have like instantly used that and then at the end made it a joke. So you have him throughout like the majority of the movie do the British baritone, you know, normal Benedict Cumberbatch voice. And then you could have it so that at certain points in the movie, either when he is moved by Christmassy things or when he's having a sweet moment with Max or when he's talking to Cindy Lou, you could have him kind of drop the accent and become more of that like Americanized, like higher pitched, kind of like a kid, like he's becoming a kid again. Because you can make it the joke that he put on the British accent and the deep, deep voice to like scare kids or whatever. And you could make that potentially your joke if, if that's really your concern. But like, I don't really think the demographic for this movie would be too concerned about mommy. Why? Why is everyone speaking a regular like American accent and that guy speaking British? Like no kid's going to give a fuck. Uh, that's true. <laughs> they but want a scary Grinch voice and that fits the bill. Uh, that's true. But again, we've gotten a lot more conscious as a society with like accents and shit. Like, in the 80s, that flies 100%, because we don't give a shit in the 80s. Oh, my God. Can I tell you guys, speaking of that, because you just brought this up. So, I'm going to go off on a tiny tangent, but it's fine because it's Christmas. So, recently, I read... I didn't know this. There's a, a spin-off slash sequel kind of situation to The Godfather. It's called The Sicilian, right? The Sicilian. Keep that in your brain. So... <laughs> The Sicilian. I read the book. It's fine. And I, I was like researching it after I read it just to see like the general consensus. And I found out that there's a movie. A movie. Have you ever heard of the book or the movie? No, there's a reason. So remember so long ago, we did a review of Highlander, the 80s movie Highlander. And it starred a man named Christopher Lambert. He is a French actor that was hired for an American movie, supposed to be playing a Scotsman. And he, had, he could not speak any English when he did that movie, and he had to learn English, and he did it in a very French accent, but he was supposed to be Scottish. It's, whatever. It's fine. It, it's the 80s. But what made it even funnier to me is I watched the movie The Sicilian. Guess who's starring in the movie called The Sicilian? 
Christopher Lambert. Yes. Oh, my God. I died. I was like, because I like Christopher Lambert. But I'm like, why are you here? And he's speaking in the fucking accent that's like, I do, you don't look Italian. You don't <laughs> speak Italian. What is, and no one in the movie speaks with an accent at all. They all speak like they're coming out of Brooklyn. And they all live in Sicily. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, it's obnoxious. I just... It was not a good time. <laughs> it was a bad movie. But that's besides the point. Scott's absolutely right. In the old days, no one gave a fuck about accents. But again, this is a kid's movie, so I still don't feel like people will really care that much. And if you enjoyed that Christopher Lambert talk, just wait till the new year, because there will be more Christopher Lambert talk. Ooh, season three tease. We love that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the accent is fine. It doesn't bother me that much. He also has a relationship with a reindeer in this one. <gasps> Fred. Fred, <laughs> as I liked, I kept calling him Fred Weasley. First of all, I was very happy because in the two uh, previous movies, when the Grinch gets this like evil plan to fucking steal Christmas or whatever, he's like, come Max, you're going to be my lone reindeer. And he's a tiny little dog pulling this like huge ginormous sleigh. And I'm like, this is like this is animal abuse like what are you doing but for this movie because the Grinch loves his little doggy he's like come Max we must find reindeer to pull our sleigh and I'm like oh this is great <laughs> no animal abuse in our children's movie this is fantastic they go looking for reindeer they can only find this one very obese reindeer with a very obnoxious ginger haired toupee i think it's supposed to be his eyebrows but it looks like he's wearing a toupee and he's adorable and his name is fred and scott kept calling him weasley he looked like a weasley because he is kind of a derp like the weasleys most of them anyway and yeah and he's got a very bright red hair <laughs> eventually because he does let the reindeer who has a family go back to his family he does ask max to pull the sleigh like he doesn't just tie the sleigh the max yeah i genuinely listen i know like we've been saying the grinch is supposed to be a raging asshole right but i'm glad i actually like that he just hates people but he loves animals because so many people can relate to that i can relate to that <laughs> so i'm i'm cool with that and also a lot of the humor in the movie comes from the relationship between Grinch and Max. For example, one of the funniest parts in the movie is when Grinch is feeling particularly sullen uh, at one point. He has this huge obnoxious organ in a room in his house and he just starts playing the organ really dramatically. <laughs> Hashtag Beauty and the Beast, the Enchanted Christmas. Flip! <laughs> and... The Grinch is playing the song all by myself, which is hilarious. It actually really is genuinely funny. And then he's being all dramatic and, and uh, somber. And then all of a sudden you just see Max on the side with like a little kid drum set. And he's banging it around. And he's just, every time you look at Max, no matter what the Grinch is doing, he's just smiling and wagging his little tail. I love Max. I've always loved Max. I actually have a Funko Pop for one of my Christmas decorations of Max the dog with the little reindeer antler. And I just, I love Max. He's just such a good dog. Yeah. So there are two scenes here with the Grinch that I want to touch on real quick. Uh, there's the one that scared Frankie where the Grinch does finally decide to steal Christmas. Oh my God. It was the only genuine scary moment the Grinch had in the movie. There was like, oh, they changed like his register here. He went from sounding like... A guy that's trying to sell you a really cool hatchback to... <laughs> to, like, Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Yes, exactly. It was, very, it was only for, like, a minute. But, hey, you got something creepy in there with the Grinch. Yeah. I'll give you credit so, for that. So that was the creepy part. And then the part I was talking about earlier... <gasps> yes, yes, yes. Where I was like, oh, God, we're going to make this turn. Oh, this is great. I so love this. So after he has decided to be scary, the next day he wakes up... Max goes to make him his coffee like Max always does because Max is a good dog. Yeah. Why can't you make me coffee, Leia? Don't yell at Leia. She's a good doggy too. She is. But Max comes upstairs and the Grinch is working out with 
bright pink pants on. Oh my god, he's got like the sweatbands, and he's like, "Come on, Max, we gotta train." And then he does like a little training montage. It's like, it's like, oh jeez, okay. I'm, and I'm, I'm sitting here going like, "Oh god, here's where we turn." Like, here's where we get like too silly, and, like uh, you know, four year olds here dancing right. around being silly. But uh, then, <laughs> but he goes, "Okay, Max, here's our plan. I will show you this plan." He has this giant blackboard huge it's flipped around so it's empty and you assume on the other side of it it's just like master plan because i've mapped out you think he's going like Patton. so he flips the board and it just says santa claus written really small in the middle of the board and then we got a kick out of it it was really dumb and funny i literally looked at scott i'm like ha 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 i'm laughing <laughs> it turned me around already we're good okay we're fine we're okay we're back <laughs> now the other major difference i felt with this one it's Cindy Lou Who's mom. So she gets a lot more kind of characterization, like she's a hard worker. And well, I think I think it's more Cindy Lou than Cindy Lou's mom. Well, yes. She, she's like a main character. She's a main character, and her whole plan in this one is to, like, capture Santa Claus, to ask him to make her mom's life easier because her mom works really hard supporting three kids, and she's exhausted. Which Scott interpreted it as, oh, she's going to ask Santa to give her mom the D. And I'm like, why do you have to make this children's movie some smutty nonsense? I'm guaranteeing you at the end of the movie, the Grinch gave Mrs. Lou Who the D sometime later on. It's going to happen. There is a porn about it. Oh my God, please. I don't want to know about any Grinch porn that exists. I'm sure it does. I don't want to know. But I will say that, yeah, I think the role of Cindy Lou and her family, mainly her mom and her, I think definitely have a larger role than they do in the other movies. I mean, in the original movie, Cindy Lou is basically just like a plot device. A beacon of light. And then uh, in the Carrie version, it's it's more around Cindy Lou, but she's still really a supporting actress. And then her parents are kind of just there I will say that, like, the previous movies do definitely focus more on the commercialism of Christmas. There's really two main elements of the movie that highlight the commercialism aspect, and that is, number one, a character by the name of Mr. Bricklebaum, who's played by Kenan Thompson, who is basically like the Clark Griswold of Whoville. He just puts lights everywhere and the biggest tree known to man and all this bullshit. And the Grinch is annoyed by him the mostest. And then... The other element is after the Grinch steals Christmas from everybody, Cindy Lou's mother looks at her because Cindy Lou's upset uh, and she's like, oh, he stole our Christmas, man. She's like, no, honey, he didn't steal Christmas. He just stole stuff. And that's like a nice way to just wrap up that commercialism storyline in just one quick summary sentence. Yeah, it also helping out others like uh, Cindy Lou, who, again, she wants to have Santa help her mother make her mother's life easier that's like her big thing and she has this big talk with the Grinch because of course when the Grinch is stealing Christmas the last house on the list is Cindy Lou Who's house Mm -hmm. so she's like Christmas isn't all about gifts it's about helping and making things better yeah I mean at the end of the movie they really kind of spoon feed the the main message of the film and basically they're all at Christmas dinner the town and you know specifically Cindy Lou Who and her family they invited the Grinch to Christmas dinner, even though he sold Christmas, but he apologized and gave everything back. So they're like, come to Christmas dinner. And they go to the Christmas dinner and he does a little speech, the Grinch. And he basically says, I, I didn't hate Christmas. I just hated being alone. But I'm not alone anymore. And I have all of you to thank for it. But especially this little girl right here. Ma'am, your daughter's kindness changed my life. My emotions! My emotion! It's a Christmas movie, and there is always schmaltz galore with a Christmas movie. So again, it is what it is. It's good. It's, again, got a lot of references. A lot of uh, Christmassy music. There is a West Side Story moment early on. The Grinch is coming to town, and everyone's singing and doing like West Side Story like snaps at the Grinch. It was very odd because first of all there were these carolers right and they were voiced by Pentatonix which I enjoy Pentatonix so I was like okay cool but then out of nowhere 
like they're following the Grinch and then it turns literally into West Side Story where there are two sets of carolers on opposite sides of the road converging in on the Grinch and literally snapping their fingers like I and just like I don't understand <laughs> why are they doing this why are there gangs of Christmas cat I don't know but it made me laugh so like I'm okay <laughs> there also was other ones like they played Christmas in Hollis for like five seconds. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, Scott automatically loves this movie now because Christmas in Hollis. <laughs> uh, well, it's always funny. It's just like, because they started playing. I'm like, but we're in Whoville. We're not in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> um, at one point, he he sends Max to be like a flying like copter and Max gets distracted by hot dogs. Oh, that was cute. But also like, he was so cute because... I think the hot dogs get, like, caught up in the fucking, like, blades of the little helicopter and it starts flailing Max around. And the Grinch is like, oh, my God, Max, are you okay? And I'm like, the Grinch would never give a fuck if the dog is okay. I'm like, this is nice. The Grinch isn't a complete asshole, even though the whole purpose of the Grinch is to be an asshole. But, like, he is, but he's, like, a normal asshole. He's a different kind of asshole. Yeah, I, like... Again, he's definitely a sanitized asshole. So, like, if people watch this movie and have a problem with that, shut up, Scott. <laughs> he's laughing at me saying sanitized asshole. It's fine. It's fine. The point of what I'm saying is the character of the Grinch is definitely sanitized in this movie. But I still enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed the new take on the Grinch. Was it perfect? No, but... I also, this is probably going to be a hot take as well for those who have seen the movie. I liked the music. <laughs> um, the score is done by Danny Elfman, which, like, how can you go wrong with that? He did Nightmare Before Christmas, Mars Attacks, Scrooged. You know, you, you can't really go wrong with Danny Elfman in the score department. But he also worked with Tyler, the creator, to make not only a new version of the original Grinch song, which was originally made for the 1966 special, written and performed by Thor Ravenscroft. But Tyler, the creator, also made a whole new Grinch song called I Am the Grinch, which played in the end credits, which I also enjoyed. I put it on my Christmas playlist. It was fun. That, that one was fun. I like Tyler, the creator. Tyler, the creator is good. It, it takes a second to hit your ear right. <laughs> Listening to it, I heard it. I was like, like I don't hate it. I don't. I feel like I have to listen to it again because at first you're like, wait, what? <laughs> well, it's funny because it like literally this movie opens with a sequence where the Grinch is waking up out of bed from an alarm and all that's playing is Christmas music and he keeps throwing stuff at his clock to make the fucking Christmas music stop and it's like a whole little gag. And it was really funny. Actually, it was like I felt positive vibes from the beginning of the movie because I'm like, oh, this was actually really cute and funny. Yay. And then the Tyler, the creator version of the original Grinch song starts playing and it sounds wonky, but like I dug it. I was like, okay, this is fine with me. You're but then, you know, the Grinch started talking and I had a moment. I was like, okay, this is weird. But I came back around. I mean, they did a, a Jim Carrey cover of the Grinch song in the 2000 version. And that was like, basically played like a joke. It was just Jim yeah. Carrey doing the funny voice and doing the song, which it was fine. But like, at least this one, they try to do something funky with it. Yeah, it, it's Modernize different. it. It's different. Just hearing it the first time, because this is the first time I've ever heard it, it. It hit my ear differently than the original. So it's just like, okay, like I, it, it's not... Like, I don't hate it. I'm not sure I like it, but I got to hear it again. This was one thing I did want to bring up, too, at some point. They talk about his heart growing three sizes that day at the end of the movie. And I'm like, did they really bring up that his heart was small? They did in the beginning. They said it, his heart was three sizes, too small. Yeah, but it, it, again... Maybe you missed it because of Pharrell Williams' narration. Maybe I did. Mind you, I didn't mention that. Pharrell Williams... <laughs> narrates this movie which i mean that's a choice i don't know you go from boris karloff to anthony hopkins to pharrell he's just another minor ingredient to the bowl of like sanitized asshole <laughs> as even i know scott loves that term well it's also 
let's face it, I, that also might date this movie very much in the future. Uh, well, I, I think, I mean, to be fair, I think the 66 version is really the only timeless one in the bunch. I think the 2000 version is definitely dated in a lot of ways. And I think that this one will be too, maybe actually in less ways than the 2000 version. I don't know about that, but okay. And certainly the Matthew Morrison one, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about her. I, oh God, I literally, I watched the Thanksgiving Day Parade every fucking year on TV. And last year, I think it was last year, right? That's when it came out and they showed a preview of the Grinch thing. And I just saw Matthew Morrison in the getup and I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck is that? What is that? Nightmare fuel. It was really just repugnant. And listen, I'm a Glee fan. I watched Glee back in the day. I haven't watched it in years, so I, I don't know if I'd like it anymore if I watched it. But I did watch it back in the day, and I didn't have a problem with Matthew Morrison, although it's kind of like more, it's become more trendy post-Glee to kind of hate on Matthew Morrison and say that he's a bit overly sexual sometimes. And if you if you watch the Grinch <laughs> musical, it's it's not it's it's not helpful to Matthew Morrison <laughs> in Look, that regard. Now, Frankie, since you brought this up, uh, here's a question. Just oh no, I'm gonna hate this question. What was worse, Matthew Morrison's Grinch or Harry Connick Jr.'s bald cap? Oh my God, you guys. Okay, so again, musical nerd, right? This is the musical nerd talking to you. I one of my favorite musicals growing up was Annie because I've. I've seen like pretty much every freaking version of Annie. I know all the freaking songs. I love Annie. NBC was doing a live TV version of Annie. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll actually watch this. Oh, I wonder what it's going to be. They had the sweetest young girl playing Annie. She did great. I didn't watch the special. I watched the parade. She did fantastic at the parade. But then <laughs> we had Harry Connick Jr. playing Oliver Warbucks. And he had the worst bald cap i've ever seen in my life like i understand we're not in like a fucking million dollar production here but like you're gonna be on television and i thought maybe it was just shitty for the parade but then you watch like the commercial for the tv special and it's like oh my god he looks ridiculous and maybe it's because it's harry connor jr and everybody knows he's not really bald so it's just all the more prevalent that he is so crazy it's uh i i watched the grinch afterwards i didn't watch it live i watched afterwards on like hulu or something because i was just so intrigued by how crazy yeah i mean connoisseur of shit hello but like it was rough guys it was it was rough and it wasn't even like so bad it's funny it was just boring 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 then matthew morrison being creepy furry weird angry yet also sometimes slinky and gross <laughs> Grinch and Boo Boo Stewart is Max I don't know why why I don't know anyway we don't like to talk about her yet I just talked about her for like 10 minutes the point I don't even remember what the point I was saying before. god damn it we've gone on a tangent of nonsense yes I think because the Grinch just the original special and like the property in general is so beloved because of, of Seuss and because of the original special. It's like whenever there is a new iteration of that story, it's it's hard to get it right because when you take a story that's so simple and you try to add a lot of fixins to it, a lot of times it doesn't seem right and it certainly doesn't seem as good as the original and it there's never gonna be it's like any remake or whatever a reboot you're never gonna match usually anyway you're never gonna match the original especially if you know if the original is beloved like the Grinch is so it, it's very similar actually now I'm thinking about it to Star Wars if you take this beloved property and you try to do something new with it and expand upon it you're gonna win with some people and you're gonna lose with other people a lot of people didn't like this movie a lot of people didn't like the 2000 version with jim carrey i think that there are pluses and minuses to both of them the the point is i don't think this movie should be chastised for 
being different. I agree with most of what you said. Yes, this movie should not be chastised as much as it has been. And yes, there are things that will become dated as time goes on, blah, blah, blah. But you have to applaud the movie for taking a different angle on the story we all know so well. Because that's where a lot of remakes fall prey to is that they don't make them different enough from the movie we've seen before. So you get these movies that, oh, oh, this movie was really successful in the 80s, but now we're going to remake it for a 2020 audience, and we're basically going to make the same movie with some minor tweaks here and there. And that's not what you're supposed to do. Like, I always point out, because we've had this discussion before on other episodes, I always point out Evil Dead. The remake of Evil Dead was perfect for what it wanted to be. It took Sam Raimi's goofy Evil Dead movies, because they are fucking goofy, and made it a straightforward, scared-the-living-shit-out-of-you horror movie. And when you take a concept like that and you just twist it and go at it from a different angle... That's where the best remakes come from. And I think this one twisted the Grinch just enough that it has every right to exist. I agree. Now, I think the the real question is, because I think we can all agree that the original 66 version is the GOAT. It is, again, celebrating its 55-year anniversary this year. It is an old bird, but a, a strong bird, a flying bird through the sky... Right alongside Rudolph uh, during the Christmas season. We don't talk about Rudolph. No one talks about Rudolph. You know what? Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think we can all agree that the Matthew Morrison musical version is the worst. So, Scott, if you had to pick right now which one you would watch, either the 2000 Jim Carrey version of The Grinch or the 2018 Benedict Cumberbatch animated version, which one would you watch? Right now... Again, this answer could change in five, ten years. Right now, I'd still stick with Carrie. I've kind of accepted that one much more into my lexicon than this one. That's fair, because again, we did grow up with that one. I I did too, but I I don't know. I don't have the same... I don't want to say I don't have any affinity for it. I certainly do. But I don't know if I have the same as you do. And, like, again, I kind of agree with you that, like, my opinion could change. I think they're both, quality-wise, very similar. So it could really change with the flip of a coin, ultimately. But if I had to pick right now, what do I want to watch? The Benedict version or the Jim Carrey version? Mind you, we did recently rewatch both of them. So... I'd probably want to watch the Benedict one again. <gasps> Interesting. Not to say that I don't like the Carrie one, but I don't know. I kind of like, for whatever reason, the fucking cutesier version of the Grinch got to me, man. I don't know. I like it. I didn't, wasn't expect. That's. I really wasn't expecting to like it, and I liked it. I only gave it three out of five stars, but I still I was pleasantly surprised by it. But again, I feel like if we watched it. A second time, maybe we wouldn't like it as much. Yeah, right now I have. I don't know. Right now I have Carrie's one as a three and a half, and I have this one as a three. So it's yeah. again, I've seen the Carrie one a lot. I'm a big Jim Carrey person. I am too. It's just I can sit there and just watch him be a lunatic for whatever the hour twenty some odd minutes that movie is. I just feel like maybe it's because of the visuals. The visuals, I vastly prefer the visuals in this movie to the 2000. Oh, version. yeah, again, because the Who's are nightmares in the uh, fucking Ron Howard's movie. And this movie is so much more colorful. Like, even the 2000 version of The Grinch is just, it's so dour all the time. Even, like, at the end, they have, like, the Christmas lights and everything's beautiful. It's like, oh, God, it just looks so fucking dour all the time. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know. I, I at least prefer the visuals in the 2018 yeah, version. Yeah, this one feels more magical. Yeah. I, I wrote that down. That was, like, the first note I had. I'm like, this one seems a lot more magical in nature. 
Uh, because Scott, when he said magical in nature, he's just flailing his arm around magical. <laughs> but it's true. I think I think that's absolutely right. But yeah, I have both the 2000 version and the 2018 rated as a three out of, three out of five. So for me, I like them both for different reasons. But I think my level of liking is pretty similar. Oh, man. Well, another year has passed, guys. If you want to yell at Frankie for her Grinch stuff. That's fine. I hit don't us care. up on Twitter and Instagram at Shoot the Listen, Flick. I don't always have. I, sometimes I have the hot takes. That's okay. I don't care. I like my hot takes. I'm an individual and I do what I want. <laughs> and I like what I want. I like Christopher Lambert being a Frenchman <laughs> pretending to be a Scotsman in an American sci-fi film. I enjoy it. This was 2018's The Grinch as well as 1966's Grinch and 2000's The Grinch. And it's been season two, guys. I'm really happy. Another season done. <laughs> Scott, how, how do you feel about how season two is come and gone for us here um i'm actually really happy with it i feel like we've gotten a lot better i feel like our sound quality of course has improved dramatically yay uh editing wise we've been great and uh next year i hope to have maybe some more guests on barring you know lunacy of the world (laughs) yeah that'd be nice uh but you know i think we're getting better and i hope you guys agree i hope more of you come on and are in Drawing the insanity of our conversations, I, I would love to expand this at some point. Make this more and have us do more things. Have us do, like, when we do, like, a TV retrospective, have us do episode-by-episode things. Yeah, maybe maybe someday we'll, we'll do that. I, I do like doing this, and I, I think as long as we enjoy doing it and other people, at least some other people, enjoy listening to our craziness, like, we're just going to keep doing it till we get sick of it (laughs) but um season three is coming guys we already started planning out some episodes we pretty much have the first three months of the year planned out because i am like like hyper organized and i got my shit together that's why scott married me so he could organize his life that's probably true so we are taking a two-week break for the holiday and we are going to be coming back for season three of Shoot the Flick with our brand new monthly series for 2022. That's right, bitch. Uh, we are going to be starting on January 5th, 2022. Get ready. And uh, we might have a special guest with us for our very first episode. I hope so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So hopefully that pans out. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really exciting. I'm super excited. And it's, it's going to be cool. So... I hope everyone enjoys their holiday, whatever holiday that may be. And I hope you come back January 5th to continue on in the madness of season three of Shoot the Flick. Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi. <laughs> That's not the song. <laughs> oh my God. Literally, like when we were rewatching the Jim Carrey Grinch movie and through the 2018 one. They like because they do the like the Who song where they sing the Christmas song around the tree, the special mm-hmm. Who song, and Scott was literally swaying with it, singing it both times, <laughs> and it's like it's just saying gibberish. Because that's what it is. It basically is, but I think there are actual words to it. I don't know. I don't know. It's just funny to watch Scott do it. He looks like a drunkard when he does it. Oh God, it's very cute. But um, listen, guys, until January fifth. Season 3, Episode 1. This has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday, except for the next two weeks, <laughs> on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back January 5th. Have I mentioned that enough times? January 5th. For our brand new hanky spanky movie advance.